That is a great story, isn't it? David, thanks for uh, being transparent and uh, sharing that stuff with us. Uh, we really appreciate that. I uh, did some uh, reading this week, uh, actually end of last week, uh, about uh, rock or mountain climbing. And uh, I understand that, uh, relatively speaking, it is a safe sport. There really are very few serious accidents or deaths that come as a result of most rock or mountain climbing. But have you ever heard of what they call free soloing? This is when you rock or mountain climb all by yourself. In fact, probably the uh, most famous free soloer is uh, this guy, uh, Alan Roberts. In fact, he moved from uh, solo climbing mountains and rocks to solo climbing buildings. He has uh, climbed over a 100 skyscrapers in different cities around the world. And as I read about free soloing, when you climb alone, it is dangerous. There have been numerous deaths and very serious accidents when people try to climb alone. It seems to me that maybe the view is worth it when you climb alone, but it seems to me that climbing alone is not a good idea. And neither is trying to navigate through the journey of life alone. In fact, it was God's idea to send us a helper, uh, a guide, a counselor, a coach that would help us to navigate through our journey in life. And as you look at the early Christ followers that we find in the book of Acts, as we have been doing throughout this series, one of the things that seemed to elevate their lives, take them to the next level, was the presence of this guide or counselor called the Holy Spirit. And as we continue our Elevate series today where we're talking about how to take our lives to the next level, how to improve our view of life, I want to talk for a few minutes about how the Holy Spirit can elevate our lives. Now, I think to really do this, we need to kind of have a short history lesson about the Holy Spirit. And so I want to look at three different places in the Bible that sort of give us the history of the Holy Spirit. And so I hope, as always, that you brought your Bibles today. And I want to encourage you to take it out, and I want you to look at all three of these passages with me, because I want you to know where these are, and then I want you to be able to go home and uh, look at it on your own. Um, as always, if you don't have a Bible on the tables as you came in at the entrances, there are Bibles there. We want you to pick one of those up. It's our gift. Take it home. Make it your own. Bring it with you when you come back. Open first in your Bibles today to John chapter 14. John is one of the Gospels that tells the story of the life of Jesus Christ. It's one of the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. And we want to look first at John chapter 14. Let me give you the background on that while you're tracking that down. John 14, Jesus is talking to his closest followers, his disciples, and he is preparing them for his death on the cross and ultimately his departure back to heaven after his resurrection. So he begins in chapter 14 in those first few verses by talking about heaven. And he says, hey, I'm going to go to heaven shortly. And when I go there, I'm going to be all about getting heaven ready for you. And someday I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to, to be in heaven with me. He gives them some other instructions. And then in John chapter 14, verse 16, he begins to talk to them about the Holy Spirit. He says this in verse 16. And I will ask the Father, talking about God, I will ask the Father and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Jesus says, when I leave, I'm going to go and I'm going to ask the Father to send a counselor. 
Jesus says, I, I have been here helping to, to guide your lives, helping, to, helping you to navigate your journey through this life. And when I go back to heaven, I'm going to ask the Father, and He is going to send you another counselor, someone who will come in my place, who will also help guide you and help you to navigate through this journey in life. And when this counselor comes, it won't be like when I came, because I came just for a short period of time. When I send this counselor, he is going to be with you forever. Verse 17, he tells us who this counselor is going to be. It will be the Spirit of truth or the Holy Spirit. The world, he says, cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes, there are going to be a lot of people who have a big time, hard time accepting him because they can't see him and they don't know him. Jesus is saying, basically, there are a lot of people who have never known Me. They weren't willing to accept the fact that I was the Messiah, that I was the Son of God. They've never known Me, and some of them will never know the Holy Spirit either. But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus said to His followers, you're going to know the Holy Spirit because you've known Me. And just as you've known Me, you will know Him and the Holy Spirit will come and will live in you. I am not abandoning you. I am not leaving you as orphans. In fact, Jesus says, when I go away, I am going to send someone, the Holy Spirit, who will be to you everything that I have been. Now that's a big promise, isn't it? That Jesus made. So maybe your first question is, well, does He keep His promise? We'll flip over to the very next book in the New Testament of your Bible, the book of Acts, which stands for the Acts of the Apostles and tells the story of the early church. And in chapter 2, we find the fulfillment of this promise. Now, you know what? God chooses to send the Holy Spirit in a very powerful and obvious way. You know, He could have chosen to send the Holy Spirit in a very quiet, subtle way. But He chooses to do it in a very dramatic, big splash kind of way. And I think He does that. Because He didn't want there to be any doubt or debate about the reality of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. Now here's what happens in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. The day of Pentecost was a Jewish celebration that often brought people to the city of Jerusalem. When he says they were all together in one place, he's talking about his followers. They had gathered in a room. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. Think tornado-ish maybe, or hurricane-like winds. And filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So Jesus' followers gather in this upper room and at the right time, the Holy Spirit comes and it is dramatic and it is powerful. It is something that every one of them could see, every one of them could feel, every one of them could experience. There was no doubt the Holy Spirit had come and Jesus had kept His promise by sending the Holy Spirit. It says there that they began to, to speak in other tongues. And as you discover, as you read a little bit further here, you find that on this day of Pentecost, there were literally thousands of people who had gathered in the city of Jerusalem. 
to celebrate Pentecost. People who had come from a lot of different places who spoke different languages. And suddenly, these followers were given the ability through the Holy Spirit to speak in languages of the people who were present that they had never known before. It would be as if suddenly I could speak Bulgarian this morning, which I have no idea how to do. Or you maybe have never been to China, but suddenly you'd be able to speak Chinese. And all these people who had gathered, something begins to happen. Because maybe the next question we ask is, okay, that's great. Jesus fulfilled His promise to those people, but that was a long time ago. Is the Holy Spirit still here today? And does He still work in my life today? Well, as you read the story here, let me tell you what happens. Peter... Peter, remember him? He is the guy who in the courtyard on the night that Jesus was arrested, Peter, he was the one who three times said, I don't know Jesus. I'm not a follower of Jesus. The same Peter, the same weak-kneed, wimpy Peter of the courtyard on this day in front of thousands of people stands up and begins to speak to them. A very bold and courageous message. And a question I've always had is, what's the difference? How did Peter go from the weak-kneed wimp of the courtyard to this bold, courageous speaker on the day of Pentecost? And I think a big part of the answer is the Holy Spirit came into his life. And in a very bold way, Peter stands and speaks to the Jews who had gathered there and other people, and he tells them about Jesus. And he says this, Jesus, and very directly he says that you crucified. And he goes on to tell his story and the book of Acts says that the people's hearts were, were moved. They were impacted by what Peter was saying. And in fact, they asked Peter, because of what we hear you saying, what are we supposed to do? Listen to what Peter tells them in verse 38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And that message is still true today. You wonder, what am I supposed to do about Jesus in my life? Here it's given very succinctly. We're to acknowledge the fact that we have sinned. We're to acknowledge that we need forgiveness of those sins. We're to change the direction of our lives. That's what repentance means. It means to change direction. We're to change the direction of our life and begin to to follow God. Peter says then, to be baptized, the way of publicly declaring that I am now changing the direction of my life and I am beginning to follow God. And then look at what he says. You get the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's great. Was that just for them? No, listen to verse 39. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. Now that phrase, far off there, doesn't mean people who live a long distance away. It means who are far off down the timeline of history. It means for everybody else who will come behind them in history. The Holy Spirit is for us. And for all whom the Lord our God will call. Everyone that God calls to be His follower, the Holy Spirit is available to us. And so, as a Christ follower, when I determined that I was going to follow Jesus in my life and I changed the direction of my life and I publicly declared my faith by being baptized, I received, the Bible says, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now you know what? The Holy Spirit had been present, or God had been at work throughout history, hadn't He? If you think about it. When Peter speaks on this day, he speaks to people who knew that God had been at work and they had seen God's presence in a number of ways. Go back to the Old Testament. 
God was present in the Old Testament even at the very beginning of time. He was present through His act of creation. He, he was present in moments like the time that He led His people with a pillar of fire. He was very present to Moses one day as He spoke to Moses through a burning bush. God was present on a hillside one day as He spoke to one of His prophets in a still small voice. God was present throughout the Old Testament. And then Jesus comes. And Jesus had literally was God in the flesh here on earth and He had, he had walked among men. They had been in His presence. They had listened to Him teach. They had seen His miracles. They had experienced the presence of Jesus. And now, now they experience, just as Jesus had promised, the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. That word, the Trinity, that's almost a mystic thing to understand, isn't it? There is God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are three distinct beings, and yet they are in reality all the same God. And so God has been present throughout all of history. First in the Old Testament, then as Jesus, and when Jesus leaves, He sends this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit who comes to be our personal guide through life. Who comes to, the Bible says, to live in us. I guess you could say the Holy Spirit comes to act as our coach. Look at over, go one more book in your Bible to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. Because I know the next question maybe is, well, that's all great, but what does the Holy Spirit actually do in my life? Okay, so I can see historically, He came just as Jesus had promised. His presence was on these people, but what does He actually do in my life? Well, I think Romans 8 answers that question for us. Now, the first four verses of Romans 8 are kind of a recap of the whole process of salvation throughout history. The fact that Men and women just like us were guilty of sin and because of our sin we were condemned. There was a penalty that had to be paid because of our sin. But Jesus came and, and paid that penalty and so long, we no longer live under condemnation. We're no longer condemned because of our sin if we receive Jesus' gift of salvation. And woven in there, He begins to talk about the Holy Spirit. And look at what He says beginning in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. He's talking here about we choose. Who's going to really influence our lives? Am I going to be influenced by, the, by my sinful nature? Am I going to be influenced by my desires to sin? Or will I be influenced by the power of the Holy Spirit? Verse 6, The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. That word control or controlling it is not the idea here of being completely controlled by something to the point that you are overpowered by it, that you have no ability to choose for yourself. 
the word controlling here is more of the idea of being guided or directed or influenced by something in your life. And Paul, as he writes here in the book of Romans, Paul, a leader in the early church, is saying you, you choose. You can choose to be directed, guided, influenced by your sinful desires. Or you can choose to be directed, guided, and influenced by the Holy Spirit. Who, if you are a Christ follower, lives in you. So here's the first thing I want you to see today. The Holy Spirit wants to be our coach. Now when I think about a coach, a good coach at least, I think about someone who directs his team, who teaches his team, who prepares his team. Now a coach can't actually play the game, but he can get his team ready. And even in the midst of the contest, he can give instructions. He can stop play, call time out if he needs to. He can gather the team together, redirect their energy, redirect their focus. He can help guide his team along. He can influence his team towards victory. He doesn't actually win the game for them. But he can be, he or she can be a strong influence. I think that somewhat is a good picture of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. He doesn't live our lives for us. But if we will allow Him, He wants to be a strong influence. He wants to be a guide for us. When Paul Bear Bryant was the football coach at Alabama, it was a known tradition that he would often coach during practice from a tower way up in the sky that he had built. And he would climb this tower and he would watch practice and occasionally he would shout down some instructions. But generally, he coached from the tower. Now, there are still probably some coaches who occasionally coach from a tower today, but a lot of the coaches that I think are really good, you won't find them in a tower at practice. You will find them in a pair of shorts when it's warm uh, down here, a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and a whistle, and they are right down there with their players. They are quickly moving around, they are teaching, they are instructing, they are hands-on involved in what's going on. And I want you to know this morning, the Holy Spirit is not a tower coach who shouts instructions from a distance. The Holy Spirit is a down-on-the-field coach who, if we will let Him, wants to be intricately involved in our lives. Now, how does He give us direction? How does He influence us? There are a couple of ways. The first way that the Holy Spirit influences us is by helping us to remember what God has already said. Much of what we need to know in life, to know how to navigate through life, we already have in the Bible. But we have to read it. I know sometimes we'd like God to give us direct messages, wouldn't we? Send me an email, send me a text message, Twitter me something, tell me what I ought to do. But God doesn't work that way. Most of what we need to know for life, He has already given us in the Bible. And as we said in the very first week of this series, we've got to read it. That's why I encourage you so strongly to get in the habit of reading your Bible every day, even if it's just a verse or two, so that, that wisdom sinks into your hearts. And because here's what I think the Holy Spirit does. Here's His responsibility in all that. As you and I read the Bible, I believe the Holy Spirit helps us to understand it and to know how to apply it to our lives. And so, and I think He also, if we will be someone who reads the Bible consistently... I think the Holy Spirit will help us to find things in Scripture that will prepare us for what lies just ahead in our lives. Because the Holy Spirit knows that. A lot of you know my uh, son uh, plays on the football team here at Mariner. And every week, 
he gets uh, one of these. It's a scouting report for the upcoming game. And uh, his coaches get together over the weekend um, and uh, sit and watch a lot of film. And they uh, begin to note all the tendencies of the football team that they're going to play that coming week. And they put all that on paper and they give it to the players. Now, at that point, it's up to the players. If they will take the time to study this, they can be well prepared. My son lines up on defense. If he has studied his scouting report, when they line up in a certain formation, he knows that out of that formation, there are certain plays they are likely to run if he's taken time to study his scouting report. God has given us a scouting report for life. And if you and I will take time to read it, the Holy Spirit will help direct us to the parts I believe that we need to know and we will be prepared for what lies ahead in life. And I think that's one of the powerful ways that the Holy Spirit works in our lives. There's a second way that I think the Holy Spirit works, and that is by inspiring ideas in our minds. You know, a good coach will do everything he can to prepare his team. But there will be things that happen in the middle of a game that the coach needs to give some further instructions. Either by shouting from the sidelines or when a player comes off the field by gathering maybe the offense together and saying, hey, here's some, here's some things we need to do differently, some changes we need to make. Or maybe at halftime by drawing some things in the locker room. He has to give some ideas along the way. And I think the Holy Spirit at times in our lives as we're living, needs to give us some additional information. He needs to inspire some ideas for that moment. And if we're open and we're listening, He does that. And you probably have experienced that, some nudges of the Holy Spirit. Times maybe where you feel like He says to you, hey, you need to stop and help them. Hey, you need to talk to them. You need to encourage them. Why don't you pray with them right now? They need that. Or maybe the Holy Spirit's warnings have been more like, hey, don't go there. Or, hey, get out of this situation. This is, this is dangerous, Will Roger. Get out. Run. Get away. We have to decide, am I going to listen to those moments when He coaches me in life, when He warns me, when He guides me, when He directs me, when He's trying to influence me? Now, I think there are some parameters that we get from the Bible to know, okay, am I really hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit as I get these nudges? Is that really... God speaking through the Holy Spirit. Here, here's some things that I think will always be true if it's the Holy Spirit that is guiding us. First, He will, He will only guide us to do things that agree with the Bible. The Holy Spirit is not going to invite us or direct us to do something that contradicts what is written in the Word of God. And so I can ask, if, if He's telling me to do something, does this line up with what I know to be true in the Bible? Secondly, He will only guide us to do things that help us to become more like Jesus. And so, if I think it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me, i got to ask myself, in doing this, will I be like Jesus? And if so, that's probably the Holy Spirit speaking. I think when the Holy Spirit speaks, mature Christ followers will be able to confirm to us that that's the voice of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we need to, to ask other people who are mature followers, hey, I think God's telling me to do this. Do you think that's the Holy Spirit speaking? And finally, I think that when the Holy Spirit speaks, there will be a sense of peace in our hearts about what He'll say. We'll just have this sense that there is a peace that comes from God. I must be the voice of God that I am hearing. You know, one of the ways that you can quickly judge how well a coach is doing 
is by looking at, first of all, how well does this team play on the field, but also how well do they live their lives off the field. That will tell you what kind of influence he's having. But how do I determine how much influence the Holy Spirit is having in someone's life? How do I know how much influence the Holy Spirit is having in my life? Well, I think one of the surest ways for us to discern that is by deciding whether or not we see the fruit of the Spirit growing in our lives. In the book of Galatians in the New Testament, we find two lists there. We find this list of characteristics or habits that are true of people who are being influenced by their sinful desires. And it's a pretty long list of things. And then next in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, we find this list of, of habits and characteristics that will be growing and be true in someone's life who is being influenced and directed by the Holy Spirit. And here's what it says in Galatians 5, 22. The fruit of the Spirit, the result of the Spirit, or the influence of the Spirit in our lives is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, if you stand and look in the mirror of your life and you don't see kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness growing in your life, that's probably a pretty good sign that you're not letting the Holy Spirit be the primary influencer of your life. I think this is one of the most accurate ways to know who's really influencing my life. If I see love and joy and self-control growing, then I can be pretty sure I'm living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. There's one more thing that the Holy Spirit does for us that Romans chapter 8 talks about. And let me hit this very quickly. In verse 15, it says this. It says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. There's a lot there, but let me... Just say it this way very quickly. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee. He is a reminder to us that when I became a Christ follower, I was adopted by God into His family. When I got married, my wife gave me a wedding band. And every time I look at it, I am reminded that she made a commitment to me and I made a commitment to her that we would live our lives together for the rest of our lives. And every time I sense the Holy Spirit working in my life, it is a reminder that God has adopted me into His family and that I belong to Him. You know what? I don't belong to anyone else. No one else on earth has claim over me. I belong to God. You know what? There are things that we are sometimes tempted to do when we are all by ourselves that we wouldn't do when other people are around you know, people who travel a lot will tell you there are sometimes they are tempted to do things when they're away from home that they wouldn't do when their friends are around. I want to remind you this morning that you are never out of the presence of someone who knows you very well. You are never outside the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because I belong to God if I'm a Christ follower. And I live Always, every moment, everywhere I go, every day, I live in the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
And He is my constant reminder that I belong to God. Now here's the thing. We get to choose how much influence the Holy Spirit has in our lives. You know what Alka-Saucer does in water, right? And I don't mean to uh, belittle the Holy Spirit, but for a moment, play along with me. Imagine this is the Holy Spirit in our lives. We choose how much influence He has. Sometimes we put the Holy Spirit in our lives about like that. doesn't do much good, does it? I should have torn these open ahead of time. But if I drop the Alka-Saucer in like that, see what happens? It totally permeates the water, doesn't it? And as a Christ follower, I may have the Holy Spirit in my life, but I choose how much influence He's going to have. I choose whether or not I kind of keep Him all bottled up and only draw on Him occasionally. Or I can choose to let Him totally permeate every aspect of my life and be the chief influencer of my life. You want to elevate your life to the next level? Let the Holy Spirit permeate your life. God, thank You for the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is a mystical thing that sometimes is difficult for us to understand. But God, would You help us today to try to get our minds around this concept and understand His power and influence in our lives today. Thank You for how He works. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.